Thanks for joining us for Episode 9 of Season 2 of Couples Inc., a place where we help couples work better together. The first and third Wednesday of each month, we drop episodes with advice, tips, and real-world experience for partnering in business and life. I'm Jody, a business owner and communications strategist, and if I'm being completely honest, I don't have many survival skills other than the ones I learned from movies, like, for instance, you stay still when a T-Rex approaches because we all know his sight now is based on motion. Yeah, and no lights, no flashlights. No flashlights, of course. You don't try to swim in quicksand because it makes you sink faster. For some reason in the 70s, Quicksand was a major plot point in a lot of TV shows. Oh, you grab a vine. Exactly. Yeah. And the final one is during an apocalypse, head to the Statue of Liberty torch because it apparently survives everything. Sure does. Charlton Heston can tell you that. Exactly. Yeah. I'm Glenn, Jody's partner in life and business and a third degree brown belt in judo. Although when I earned that distinction, I never got the actual belt. So ever since I've been buying brown belts hoping to regain my judo mojo. <laughs> It'll, it counts. Maybe. Sure. Yeah. On today's show, we discuss different work styles and then chat with our design expert, Katie Cooper Bustle, about being consistent in your branding. And you might recall in a previous episode, Jody tested my grilling knowledge. At the end of today's episode, I get to quiz Jody. Ooh, can't wait. Now, without further ado, let's get started with this episode of Couples Inc. big topic we're discussing different work styles mm-hmm. um, according to an article i found on indeed.com indeed and, indeed and we'll include a link in the show notes there apparently are four main types now i saw other things that had six or eight but i thought well four is manageable in the interest of brevity four it, is a good number it is a good number okay the four main types according to this article number one logical Yes. Number two, detail-oriented. Yes. Number three, supportive. Yes. And number four, idea-oriented. Huh? (laughs) So, but we're going to take a closer look at each of these and talk about which one, or I kind of think that some of them overlap and you might be a little bit of maybe two of these, or maybe there's, you know three or more, but I think there may be some overlap, so we might fall under different categories. And also, I don't think one is better than the other. I wanted to, you know, like, before we start, there's no judgment. Were they presented in order? No, this is not an order of, like, this is one over the other. This is just the four types. And in fact, some of the articles I was was reading encourage teams to be made up of different work styles. Right. So you can't, so it's kind of like a different type of diversity. So it's like you play off of each other's strengths. It's kind of like, you know, if you have a basketball team, you can't have all centers. Sure. So in this case, you can't have all logicals, I guess, or logicalonians. totally, yeah. (laughs) That's a word now. Yeah, so um, you can't have just, you know, if it's all logical people, there may be some, you may not, I guess, reach your full potential. So their, I guess, hypothesis was that you kind of want to mix up different work styles. So it's kind of a good thing. So there's no... I guess like, it, there's no judgment. If you're not under the detail-oriented, it doesn't mean that you let things slip. It just means that may not be your driving work style. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. makes perfect okay. sense. All right, let's, let's, let's tackle them one by one and kind of just, you know, our take on it. Okay, um, I'll start. Okay. But number one, which we said there's no order, but this is number one, logical. 
Okay. I don't know why you're letting me start with logical because <laughs> th- let's face it, okay? Most of the time, that I did I'm not, not exactly Mr. Spock. I did not intentionally do this because I thought you were not logical okay. or otherwise. Whatever. I did, but let's just hear what are some of the traits <sighs> of someone who is who has a quote unquote logical work style. You analyze the problem, okay, and you tackle it head on. Mm-hmm. And you put on your football helmet and your pads when you're tackling because that's the way I know, not to get hurt. Why do so many things that are business-related either are like tackle or there's so much aggression there? It's a touchdown. I know. Score. Yeah. You know, I kind of do this quite a bit. And I'm, I'm not the most logical cat on the face of the earth for sure. I don't think I'm the most logical guy in this room. <laughs> You're not a guy, are you? No. No. But okay. Well, you were. You remember when we first met? You said that your name, your parents were going to okay. say that you were named either Jody Ann or Jody Allen. Right. And this is this is this tells you about our first meeting. Yeah. It's a funny story because I was like, yeah. Uh, he asked me about my name, and I said, yeah, I was going to be Jody Ann or Jody Allen, and he said, which one? Are you? Because I, I heard Jody Ellen. Ellen. And that should have given Jody a preview of <laughs> coming attractions. Because I was like, I am apparently not making a really good impression. Or I'm just hard of hearing. Or you're just hard of hearing. It was yeah. at a party and there was music playing. So mm-hmm. it, I could understand that. But I was like, um, Jody Ann, I thought that was kind of obvious, but my feminine so, wiles were just not wily enough. So sometimes I have to analyze and overanalyze. You know me. Mm-hmm. I got to do my research and due diligence. If you've got a problem that involves a specific like a 5 second time frame, you need to move on from So me. we shouldn't go to one of those escape room uh activities. Especially not if there's additional hazard involved. If like there's a hazard or time like yeah, I don't like time flooding or it's on fire. <laughs> so, no. no. Um yeah, it well it does seem like the things I was reading it's very da- data driven, but you know Loves a good challenge. I think you fit that as far as loves a good challenge, but mm-hmm. it's a different kind of challenge. I think which is what you're saying is like you don't necessarily like the logic part of it as much as like the creativity part, and that may be where you're later on is an idea oriented. Yeah, and the solution. Mm-hmm. I really love the solution. I think everybody loves solutions. Right. Well, yeah. Do you love solutions? <laughs> you do love solutions. Okay. Um, so the, one of the downsides I saw of this, so you think, well, what could possibly be bad about being logical? Because they can be focused and love a challenge and data-driven is that mm-hmm. sometimes if your style is logical, uh, this article is saying that you might forget to communicate your actions with the members of your team yes. or overlook the importance of planning. Yeah. And I do that on the regular so are you, so do you think you are logical or not logical or do you think you're logical light? Logical-ish. Logical-ish. Yeah. I do feel like there's some there you know you joke about you're not being the most logical but I do feel like there's some you know particularly because you you handle a lot of uh, our IT problems yeah. and there's a lot of logic though that goes into that in terms of problem solving. I mean yes you can be creative in in solving an IT problem, but a lot of times it's like, okay, if this does this, then this does this, and there's a sort of process. So yeah. I feel like that could fit you. Yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. I just don't really think about it that often. That's, you know, I think that's the thing about work styles is that until I've read this, I didn't think about mine either. Yeah. You just do it. And this is, it's one of my weaknesses is that I kind of assume everyone has the same work style as me, not just work, mm-hmm. not work ethic or not work, but work style. And 
it's like you have to stop and say, oh, okay, well, they, there is a different way to approach this problem or there is something to be said for this this other way to do things. But it just – sometimes it doesn't – it's like, why would you do it that way? Yeah. With me, a lot of times when I was working uh, in a multi-person environment, mm-hmm. lots of people in the same location, sometimes I would look at other people as an extension of my thought process uh-huh. and think that they would look at a problem and try to solve it the same way I would. Well, I got disabused from that pretty early on. Yeah. But in the beginning, that was kind of the way it was with me. Working for a while in that environment taught me not to think that way got me out of that. It's, it's really a rut. Sometimes if your work style doesn't fit the job you're in, that can cause problems. Yeah, yeah. If you are not detail-oriented and you're in a position that requires that, then that's yeah. a mismatch. But there is something to be said for appreciating different work styles. So and if learning someone, from them. And learning from them, yeah. yeah. All right, so number two, again, not in any order, um, is detail-oriented. These people tend to be strategic, organized, and pragmatic. What's wrong? I'm just looking around oh. at my office. We're recording <laughs> in my office like, again. I was like, it, what? He looks very concerned. Okay, the, the clutter has moved. I'm, I mean, I moved it, right? So it's different in this the is, layout and everything. Does that count? This being, is like a continuing saga. Like each episode, we'll find, we'll check in on where, where's the clutter now? <laughs> yes. My disorganization has changed. Not for the better or worse. It's just in a different place. Oh, but they are, again, organized, pragmatic, avoid risks. Um, They might, though, on the negative side, struggle to execute their plan. So Mm -hmm. they may be detail-oriented, but maybe there's a lack of follow-through sometimes. People who get, I guess, so... I don't know if it's because they're perfectionists. They get so caught up in the details that they then can't do the planning, I don't know what they mean by necessarily by that, but that's sort of my, my I, guess. Yeah, I'll give you an example here. For me, if I start to get the idea behind a plan mm-hmm. and start executing that, it's like I'm in full-on get-it-done mode. And I don't stop to try to communicate with any other team members or, or you or anybody my progress. Mm-hmm. To me, that's a diversion. And it would take me off the focus and I it would spoil my workflow. So you're like, your problem is you might be too caught up in the detail. Kind of like what we said with the logical, There, there's like, sometimes the, the these first two seem very, very similar. Logical is very data driven and focused. Yeah. Detail oriented is focused on those details. Mm-hmm. Both of these may have problems with communication and being part of a team, which is, I guess, why they have to try even harder Because one of the things that this article said is when paired with an action-oriented team member, the detail-oriented, they can make like an unstoppable team. Sure. And that's, I think, what, again, they're talking about with this diversity. So when you are in this detail mode, you may not be communicating or you may not be able to do the actual work because you're working on the behind the scenes stuff. It's called eyes on the prize. Eyes on the prize. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, I get... I can be very detail oriented. I love planning. I love oh, I know being, you, do. This, you know, doing the strategic planning. But then sometimes for me, you're very good at it. Oh, thank you. Sometimes for me, it's like okay, that's the exciting part. The implementation part, it doesn't. That's not as interesting as coming up with the plan and looking at the details and 
mapping out what's going to happen. Yeah. That's what jazzes me. But it's like, oh, well, yeah, we actually have to do these things. That's not a laziness or it's not a, you know, incompetence. It's just that doesn't really, the idea's already been done. The planning's already been done. That's the part that I enjoy. Does that mean you want to move on and plan something else? I do. Usually? Yeah. Yeah. I, now that I think of it, I think that's your style. That is my style. I, I, I enjoy that part of it. And when, again, when paired with someone who can like take something and run with it, like yourself, it works out Thank really you. well. Yeah. Because I mean, I do enjoy like, here's the strategic plan and I'm like, okay, Glenn, here's what we're going to do. We've got, I, I'll map out the entire plan of what we're going to post on Instagram for a client, say for a, a month or Facebook and Instagram. And it's in the job and then Glenn does it. And it works out really well. So again, this goes back to complementary skills and having a team that has different work styles because I love the details and you like the creation. And the execution. Yeah. And I think that sometimes the way my work style pans out, it sort of fosters what I hate about working in a multi-person environment, meetings. Oh, yeah. Because if I'm not communicating to the other team members where I am on a project, mm -hmm. I'm just drilling down and going and going and going. Well, pretty soon, they don't want to be siloed. They need to know what stage I'm at, if I can hand something off to them, or if what is going yeah. on. And if I don't do that, then the people in charge have no choice but to call the dreaded M word. M, management? Meeting. Meeting. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I was like, they're going to call tell on you? There, yeah. yeah. This... No, I know. As much as we hate meetings, sometimes they are good for collaboration when done well. That's the mm -hmm. problem is a lot of meetings are not done well. Yeah. But this is, this, it, this is very enlightening because it is part of the um, – like Glenn and I, again, we often recommend that couples in business, you may, people may think, oh, you're always together. Well, you may not always know what the other is doing. We have meetings. And I'm like, let's go over our jobs. Yeah. And this is where I find out that, oh, yeah, that's already been done. Or he's well on his way in and the I execution phase. I haven't made a note of it or communicated exactly. that with you at all. Exactly. And that's, that's why it's important to communicate and to... Even if you are a couple, set aside that time. Yes, we spend a lot of time together, but we aren't always saying, you know, Glenn's not telling me, oh, well, I'm on, you know, I've got a four-part video I'm editing, and I finished part one. He doesn't always, like, tell me because he's busy doing, and yeah. that's what he enjoys. And that's, again, that's the nature of I love to plan and strategize, and so to not know where you are and it just kind of like it you know, can, can drive talk me about crazy. It. I could talk about it in my sleep too. Actually, he does talk in his sleep a lot, and it's so funny how often he's working. Like I'll be listening, and he'll be talking about something. I'm like, he is talking about some project we're working on, or he actually said the phrase "artifacts of digital compression." And I was, I was like, that was very random. But Which, it was, if you're a techno geek, if you're a techno geek, you, and you know, know audio. what that means. Exactly. And it's not just audio. It can be It can be anything. In graphics. It can be, yes, artifacts of digital compression. But he does a lot of working where I'm like like flying or, you know, on a train. Or you got your superpowers. Or going. I have superpowers. Yeah. yeah, I have like these weird dreams and he's working. So he's constantly, you are constantly in the execution mode. Making money in my sleep. You are. Okay. All right. So let's go with what's number three. Supportive. Okay. The emotionally oriented work style. Deeply expressive and supportive okay building relationships one person at a time <laughs> and bring teams together to work in harmony you know i think 
every team probably needs this person who brings that energy and is the person who brings everyone together and facilitates communication. So you, when you have that logical person and detail-oriented person who's not communicating, this person brings them together. Yeah. Um, I also kind of, when I read this, I was thinking it's not just like supportive, like cheering on other people as much as maybe having a certain amount of energy that's contagious for the rest of the team. I think that's important too. And I've worked, mm-hmm. you know, I've worked with people and I'd like to think I'm a little bit like this when I'm excited about an idea that maybe my enthusiasm gets others. You're and right. I, and I feel like that's a little bit of supportive that I would like to think that's part of my work style in terms of, sort of like nurturing. Yeah, but yeah. I'm, the thing is, I'm not. I don't think I'm very nurturing or, or patient. But I feel like I am energetic, and that's where I'm like, if I can inspire or energize is more. Just looking at you right now, as opposed to the way that you may have been twenty years ago, mm-hmm. I think that you come a long way with that. So you think I'm more nurturing than I'm giving myself credit for? Exactly. I've always like I always felt like I was never really patient, but I think yeah, time and experience mm-hmm. and confidence yeah. kind of just changes that a little no bit. Substitute so, for those elements. So I kind of feel like of the four of these, I'm following falling into the two and three, mm-hmm. the detail oriented and supportive. And I'm getting the feeling that you may end up being a little bit of the one and the four. Oh, I see what you're doing there. Mm-hmm. Well, you want me to talk about number four now, or are we still on number three? Let's all, let's go ahead and jump into number four. Okay. Because I think supportive is what it is. I don't think there's a lot of extra, you know. Idea-oriented. Big picture thinkers, skilled at creating a vision, can inspire others. He says with such enthusiasm. da 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 But they thrive on endless risks and possibilities, making them an incredible source of energy. This is kind of a supportive thing, too, it sounds yeah. like. There's an overlap there. That's Again, that's the thing. is They, they made it seem like these are all four very different types, but I kind of see... lied. Well, I... Liars. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> have you ever? Um, I think I feel that I have a little bit of the idea-oriented as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's where it's like... Although I'm, I tend to be a little more risk-averse... I think than what they're saying with the idea oriented, but um, maybe I don't think you're as cautious as you're as you're thinking you maybe are. Maybe I'm not. Compare, I guess, when you are someone who takes a few. Well, we started our business. So that's yeah. a risk. Yeah, you don't. You kind of. It just feels like just natural. So it doesn't feel like you're taking risks. Yeah. Maybe. And we've done the. We started the podcast mm-hmm. almost a year ago. Exactly. And yeah. Although this In may October. be listened to out of sequence, which we discourage highly. Yeah, start from the beginning, folks. <laughs> you know, October of 2021 is mm-hmm. when we started. Yeah. So that w- that is a risk, and I feel that I'm taking a risk right now talking to you about yeah, you're it. You're becoming so vulnerable and open up. You're so brave. Just risk. So brave. Tolerant. So this is where, though, uh, with idea oriented, this is a little bit of you too, like you were talking about. If you look at the can get wrapped up in the big picture, you overlook details. And like you're saying, forget to follow up with members of the team. Yes. You're very, and it's so funny. He'll have idea face. We'll be in a meeting and I am going over the details with the client or going over things. And Glenn is already thinking about what the concept will be. I've jumped ahead too far. He's jumped ahead too far. And he's thinking about that. 
And that's where, again, we make a good team because I am very detail oriented. So it's like, okay, yeah, that's the the concept, but here's how we're going to need to, you know, this is the the ad buy we're going to do, or this is the where we're going to the channel we're going to place that concept on. I think that works out well, but I think that is where you, like I was saying, you might be a little bit more four, one, mm-hmm. and then I'm three, one, a little bit of four. It's kind of like a scale. I think again, I think it's probably like a percentage. Like if you were to look at this, it's like oh, you're twenty percent logical and 40 percent you know maybe there's something like that in terms of how this i can see that yeah instead of it being like you're entirely a certain type of person or all four 25 25 25 exactly i think well i think another factor in why we might see that we overlap is as business owners we kind of have to yeah that's necessity so you kind of have to like, yeah, I may be detail oriented, but I also have to be supportive. Sure. And I also have, you know, it's like you do feel that you're going to have to pull from all of these things and on occasion be a little logical. Yeah. And or I a lot logical. Or a lot logical. Or somewhere in between. Your logic meter doesn't have to overflow all the time. <laughs> Does that sound very logical, though? Likewise, it doesn't have to rest at zero. The meter there you fluctuates. Go. It fluctuates. Yes. depending. It's very situational. That's why it's a meter. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think this is, this is um, a good exercise to think about if you do visit the article or if you look up any, any of the resources on the different work styles. Because again, they're like other, other places had like six of them or even eight and it's a different, different style. So I saw a bunch of these things. I think it's always good to look into I guess learning more about your work style, your work habits, who you know, who you are. Yeah. It's always good to know that stuff. But again, take everything with a grain of salt and be like, yeah, we are probably a little bit of all of these things. A grain of salt and a little fresh ground black pepper. <laughs> to taste. We interviewed Katie Cooper Bustle, the owner of Lemon Life Design, about being consistent with your brand. And she lent us her design expertise to help you better your brand. Katie, uh, we've talked about brand in the past, and it's one thing to, you know, to create your brand and, and spend some time developing it. But it's also important to be consistent. And in your mind, what does that mean? How do you explain that to a small business owner in terms of being brand consistent? Well, sure. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, in our previous interview, we had talked a little bit about a style guide and which is essentially your branding overview, uh, which essentially sets the tone for the consistency of your brand, like from the start of the creation of your brand. So this tool is not only a helpful reference guide kind of thing, but it also sets the tone moving forward. So regardless if you or the designer of your brand or someone else is creating or setting up some kind of like marketing or promotional material for your business, this style guide should have all of those reference points to maintain the consistency for the brand. So this would be like the big three in my mind, which would be using the color palette, the fonts and the standards indicated in your style guide. So if you're getting some, say, for instance, sign printed or something designed, you recommend sending along the style guide to whatever vendor you're working with so they have a reference. Correct. Because realistically, chances are someone else may help you with some of the designs 
needed for your business. Um, and it could be yourself, could be someone else. And that is absolutely correct. I would send along that style guide to help out with, you know, maintaining that consistency for the brand. To tag onto that, there is an important side note here. Um, a lot of the time, what's included with your style guide are typically one to two fonts that are used in the logo. But if you feel like that doesn't give you as much variety as you would like, you can talk to your designer about offering some accent fonts and colors to use for things like social posts or advertisements. And this will allow you to not feel like every social post has to look the same and it'll allow you to have like a little bit more fun with some of your designs. So, you know, these these standards don't have to necessarily be boring you know you don't have to follow the rules so much to feel like you don't have flexibility with your brand um this is also you know just something that you can determine from the start if that's something that you want and i would just you know talk to the designer about it and see what you guys could you know expand upon as far as coming up with complementary designs and fonts and colors with the original branding. Katie, from the design standpoint, it's pretty apparent why these things are important. You know, you mm-hmm. you obviously have to have a springboard from which to design all the elements that go into a brand and into the uh, the front facing of the of the company in question. Why is it important to the company itself? Oh, another good question. So not only does a consistent brand look professional and tailored, which will ultimately set you apart in a good way, but it also will allow you to create brand recognition, which is a very important thing for just about any business in the world. Um, our, Our whole entire world is saturated with so much media advertising design that creating this kind of brand recognition is more important than ever. So several years ago, I remember listening to NPR one day in my car and I heard this professional talking about this very subject. And he mentioned something about a successful brand is one that you could smash into a thousand pieces and still recognize what it is. And he mentioned that Mm. Apple is a really good example of this. And that has really stuck with me over the years. And I carry that very idea with me as I'm creating a brand for my client. And you know, the more I let that sort of simmer, I expanded on it a bit myself because you can't necessarily just for pretend sake smash something into a thousand pieces. But let's say, you know, you could throw it into a pile of other similar products. So think about that for a minute. If the idea of smashing something doesn't resonate with you, you know, what would be recognizable about your brand in that pile? Would it be color consistency, maybe a unique shape or material? So exercising these kinds of ideas are a good way for you and your designer to create and stick with the consistent look for your brand. Um, But again, that just all kind of circles back to why it's so important to keep up with that consistency. That reminds me of like, you'll see some YouTube videos or where people will be quizzed and it'll be like an aspect of a logo. Say for instance, the very familiar Disney font. Right. But it's spelling something else, but you know it's Disney. Yeah. Or the yeah. or you will have yeah. the logo, the name will be gone, but you'll still recognize like the Nike swoosh. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. if being consistent builds that and so you'll see something and it may be something totally different, but you're like, oh no, that's Starbucks. Some Larger brands have done a poor job of freshening up their logo or they've changed too much. But at a certain point, you're going to get kind of like, I don't know, I need to freshen things up. This is very stale. It feels very dated. But you don't want to lose that equity. How do you 
stay consistent with the equity that you've built, that recognition, but still kind of keep fresh and new and, you know, have graphics that reflect today's audience? Sure. That's, uh, I mean, this is a great way to segue into this subject because this is, to me, I see this as a twofold answer. So part one would be, you know, if you feel like you've gotten to a place where you need a little more, you know, pizzazz, some freshening with your brand, I would highly suggest reaching out to a professional designer for help at this point, because a lot of times, like you mentioned, you see a client who kind of goes rogue and tries to freshen up and it just, it doesn't work. It it just looks a little off and not quite as professional. Um, So I'm just a huge advocate for um, working with a professional when it comes to this kind of thing. Um, But, you know, some ideas that you could expand upon for something like this uh, would be, you know, hiring a professional photographer to take new photos of your products, Um, getting your designer to create some new social media frames that may use some of your existing colors with your brand, um, but create something a little more fresh, a little more now, Um, even freshening up your website. You know, if you have an e-commerce site, yeah, freshen that thing up and maybe just get a whole new look there, but keep, keep your colors, keep your logo, uh, just, just some fresh looks. Um, but whatever it is that, that you will, will be working on, you know, definitely bring in your designer here, see what you can do with what you currently have, because not only will you get sort of a ref- refreshed looking, um, business and, and materials, chances are that it will kind of reinvigorate yourself with some new perspectives on your business as well. Uh, which is exciting. Uh, just, you know, even just a little refresh here and there can kind of excite you in a different way. But um, but on the other hand, on the second part of that answer, sometimes you do get to a place where your brand does need a complete overhaul. And that 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 is also a very serious conversation to have, you know, with a professional, with your marketing team or your designer um there's just sometimes when brands reach a point where the design is just outdated maybe not maybe not capable of making a comeback or or it could be a case of you created this this logo on the cheap early on and it doesn't reflect the professional Mm -hmm. level that your business has reached right which is a great place to be because that means your business has is successful is gaining some traction um so it just might be be, you might be ready for you know a grown-up logo or brand package at that point so um at that point you know i would just there are so many different avenues here that i would again sort of talk to some professionals about this um consider what you need moving forward um and then if it's a total rebrand project there's also really fun things you can do on social media to get your your base and your viewership, your clients excited about a new a new brand project. So I recently worked with somebody who needed to completely like rename the company, needed a new logo, and but she had a pretty solid, you know, viewership and base and clientele. But we spent a few weeks building it up saying, oh hey, we've got a new logo coming. We've got a new brand coming. We're going to launch it on this date. So it's a kind of a fun thing you can do with your audience to not lose, like you said, that equity, which that you already have, but at the same time, create something new. 
Yeah, you could do like a whole relaunch of your brand, sure. create yeah. events and other promotions around that. Yeah, depending on how big your business is, a, an event relaunch is so much fun. I've been to a couple. I've been part of a couple. It's really so much fun. It's a it's a it's a great thing to do. Get some of you know your clients in. Have a have a signature cocktail. Have you know a, a projector with you know your your brand up there. Get some you know monogrammed cocktail napkins. It's it's a fun thing. It could be a, a, a really neat thing to do to sort of revive a little bit. Katie, thanks so much for visiting with us and taking time out of your busy day. We uh, always love talking to you. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. Again. It's time for the Couples Inc. Couples Quiz. Ooh, it's a couples quiz. Yeah. Ooh. Because it's like, uh, well, not couples quiz, because we're a couple is what I'm saying. Oh, so it's not about us being a couple or about couple dumb. Not really. But it's a quiz. No. It's a quiz. And we're a couple. I'm asking you the questions. You're answering me the questions. Yes, because yeah. previously um, I did a quiz testing Glenn's grilling knowledge. You did. And I think you did pretty well. I Yeah, I think I was okay. Like three out yeah. of four, maybe? Four out of four. Yeah, I'm going to go with... Forty out of four. <laughs> Just too much. We'll do three and a half out okay. of four. All right, since Stranger Things has had a recent resurgence for Kate Bush okay. and her song, Running Up This Hill. I just want to make sure you knew what it was. Is it Running yeah. Up This Hill or Running Up Running That up Hill? Running Up That Hill. Running Up That Hill. See, And I'm the B not... side was Running Up the Other Hill. Running Up the Other Running Down. Right. <laughs> yes. Since that's kind of a, a thing now, okay. I thought I would quiz you on things that had to do with Kate Bush. Oh, I am not going to be able to answer these. Oh, well, we'll see. <laughs> I know her stuff, but not that well. We'll see. Okay. Okay. Just let's roll All right, with it. Let's see. We'll I see mean, how I, you do. I'm an 80s, 80s kid. Now, I've got a trap door under your chair, so <laughs> if you get one wrong, it's going to be a little I mean, a little bit okay. of a surprise. All right. All right. Number one. Wait, I didn't sign any releases or waivers, FYI. For so. what? Or any like trapdoors or any of that kind of stuff. You did when you said I do. That, <laughs> that's, that's a trapdoor right life. there. That's yeah, life. On. Okay. Number one, right. Kate Bush's first performance was at her middle school talent show, the London Furniture School, a cricket match, or the Royal Albert Hall. Her first performance. I have no idea. But I'm feeling like she is such a talent mm-hmm. that maybe it was the Royal Albert Hall. Like she was some like prodigy. Wow. No, it was the London Furniture School. <laughs> well, that's that's the same thing, is it not? That's a yes. I I, think I've it's never a, been there, so I don't know. Is it, I think is it the Albert that's Hall what they call owns. that's what the locals call it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Over at the Furniture so, school. So wait, step in time. I don't even understand how one does that. How does one sing at the furniture school? Was she, she making something? You know, the some... English, the British have kind of a different sort of name, I guess, uh, standard mm-hmm. for some of their institutions of, of higher learning. Some of them are technical schools and colleges, but there will be some that are named after people, and there are some that are like the furniture school or the, you know. Um, Widget put together school, things like that. It's, Do they it's actually really, make furniture, or is it just called that? I think they actually make furniture. I don't know. We could put a, a well, link now, on the 
Now we'll have to find on the out. show notes. Well, now now I've got to Google the okay. London Furniture School, and you, if you're listening, London Furniture School, you could be a sponsor <laughs> for the Couples Inc. podcast. All right. Okay. Number two. Oh, you, so you're zero and one. I'm zero and one. Wow. This is not good. Not all right. You can rescue it with this. Okay. Kate Bush turned down what famous band when invited to open for them on their 1978 U.S. tour? Okay. Was it ABBA, ZZ Top, Fleetwood Mac, or Blondie? Turned down what famous band when invited to open for them? Fleetwood Mac? You are correct. Yes! Yes. Ding, ding, ding. Because you can't really see her opening for ZZ Top, can Definitely you? Definitely not. Yeah, I knew ZZ Top was like out. Yeah. So. Okay, one and one. Right. The pressure's kind of off. Okay, well, is it? Yeah, it is. Okay. Because I say it is. Number okay. three. There's a story that Kate Bush's manager became worried when she hadn't released new music in several years. He supposedly went to her house and asked what she'd been working on, whereupon Kate showed him a cake she had baked. Is that story true or false? I'm going to go with true. It seems so weird. It's got it to be true. It does seem like it would be true, but it's false. Oh. According to her. I mean, it might be true, and she's just fibbing about it. <laughs> Kate so Bush, if is... you're listening, I call you out on this. <laughs> prove that you did not. Prove that you didn't bake okay. a cake. That would have been funny, though. Sure. I think they've pro- there have probably been a lot of artists that have done that. You know, the nosy managers come around, and they haven't, you know... Maybe they're sitting in a sandbox or something. Do you think that's, that's where the phrase, do. if I'd known you're coming by, I'd bake you a cake, came oh, from? Yes. So without having Google in front of me, I'm going to assume it's true. So, yeah. Wow. You've made it true. Learning new things every day. And making new facts every day. Exactly. Okay. Number four. You are one and two? Yeah. Okay. You can break even with this one, Jody. It's all <laughs> <Yay>. on you. <laughs> okay. It's common for celebrities to do advertising in Japan that doesn't appear elsewhere. In Japan, but not anywhere else. Okay. Kate Bush is no exception. What product ad has she appeared in in Japan? Is it Seiko watches, Honda automobiles, Sony, or Yashi octopus sucker massagers? <laughs> oh. It's a thing. I know, and now that makes you think like. And we will have... put. I'm. I'm going to put the uh, the, link, the to link to those massagers in the show notes. But go ahead. Okay, I'm going to say Sony. No, sorry, it was Seiko watches. Ah, oh, because I knew the octopus machine or whatever it was. I'm like that had to be something you looked up. Octopus sucker massagers. So what does that mean? Does it's... it? Is it like they use the suction? You would to... think from the name of it. Yeah. That it'd it be painful. Massages octopus suckers. Oh, yes. But it doesn't. It's for people. It's for people. Yeah. Okay. And they, it's, well, you see, if you if you click on the link that we put in the show notes, <laughs> you'll see all about it, all about the so, sucker massage. yeah, I didn't do very well. No, I one didn't even three. get the name of the song right. I well, put this instead of that. Yeah, that's okay. But I'll, I'll pick something next time that you're a little bit more familiar with. Yeah. I just figured that this would be a little topical and you it know. It is topical and that song her a boost. was everywhere. But yeah. It might give her a boost. Yeah. You know, Kate give Bush. her a chance. Let people learn a little bit about her and and that little little show that could. Yes. Stranger things. Yes. But you're you're both welcome. There's no need to thank us, just pay it forward. 
Thanks for listening to Couples Inc., a place where we help couples work better together. We drop new episodes the first and third Wednesday of each month, but to make sure you don't miss a show, follow us wherever fine podcasts are published. And if you enjoyed this episode and you want to support the podcast, share it with others, post it on social media, or leave a rating or review. And please visit our website, couplesincpodcast.com. That's couplesincpodcast.com to learn more about us, review show notes, or leave us a message. Until next time.